Welcome to the Mike Bowie Show, where we talk with people who influence people. Hi, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I love that every time I do a podcast, the first thing we do is giggle. Exactly. I'm, I'm rolling over my headphone cord, too. I'm going to lift this up. So, the first question I want to ask is, what's it like being Mark Hollander? Oh, my gosh. That's a crazy question. Anyone hard to think of, actually, as you're trying to put into words. Um, I mean, I am uh, beyond blessed. Um, I have great life, great childhood, great life, um, and, and love being where I'm at and who I am today. It's been a crazy journey and a crazy road, but it's, it's pretty amazing. Are you, are you where you thought you would be? I'm not even close. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) if I had a roadmap, this is not at all the direction I felt that we'd go. No. So you didn't grow up. Oh, and I want to say right now, a good friend of ours, Ed Akers, had a great podcast with Mark on him. So Ed has a a podcast called Local 636. I think that's what it's called, Mm -hmm. right? And it's awesome. So if you guys have a chance to to listen to Ed's Local 636, you'll hear another interview from Mark. But this is going to be totally different. So when you were young... You, I'm guessing you didn't say, like, I'm going to be a doctor and then have a plan. Now, forget the doctor part, but you didn't say, I'm going to grow up and be X and then start planning that. Or did you? No, not even close. No, I was um, had dreams of being an archaeologist. That's what I wanted to do and, and thought that was pretty incredible. Um, loved to dig and find things. Um, my dad, I remember my dad telling me one time that there is no money in being an archaeologist. So I immediately thought, well, I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to survive then. Right, because that's all I want to be, Dad. Dad, that was it. <laughs> and, and, and who cares how to make money at it? But um, How old of, were you at that time? Oh, like gosh. When you, were you like, seventh, eighth grade, maybe. Okay, so you weren't like six. No. No, I but was, you were a teen. You were like you'd already formed some opinions, mm-hmm. and you had an idea. By gosh, and you know, I'm going to give this a good Boy Scout track. This is where we're going. I like that part of the you know science class, you know, social studies class, whatever it was. And did you take any steps toward that? Like, were you in an archaeology club or something? No, no, nothing at all along that way. I Just mean, like I, books and digging in the dirt, digging in the dirt, finding stuff, finding an arrowhead. Thought that was great, and, yeah. and wanted to do that on a bigger scale. Thought that was cool. Where where'd you grow up? Uh, old St. Charles, okay. in Old St. Charles City. Because I know Hollander is is a name in is a is a, a long term name mm-hmm. in in St. Charles, and so is my last name. And there's some other names. So, um, how far back did you guys come from? Your dad or your your great 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 great? Sixth generation. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Great great grandfather moved to St. Charles was a farmer. Okay, so. I wonder if. Like my great grandfather knew any of yeah, they probably. I'm sure they did. They probably yeah. hung out. Bowie's a very, very strong name in the community. Yeah, and well know. known as well. So. Who, know, who knows? They all hung out at the funeral home, <laughs> right, or the bar, or maybe both. That's right. The back of the hearse with a six pack. Yes, that's yeah. possible. Yeah, maybe it's possible. I'm <laughs> actually that. probable. So, yeah. so when did you when did you veer off the archaeology path, or, or did you? Like, is that still a love of yours that you like? You love I'm still fascinated by that. I'll watch any Egyptian digging show on. On you know discovery or whatever, so love all that kind of stuff. I but. watched a, a movie called The Dig. Yeah, saw that one too. I just remembered it was called The Dig, and I'm like digging, digging. What was that movie yeah, called? Yeah, what was that called? Gosh, it was digging. What was that called? <laughs> I'm like, oh, the dig. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wasn't that a good movie? <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm not gonna lie, I I cried. Yeah, I, in the I same did. way. Yeah. Same way, but I love that and that adventure and that that thrill of the hunt, the treasure yeah. hunt kind of thing. And, and that character was so dedicated. Like once he committed, you know, he was just like, 
No. This is going to get finished. I'm, I'm doing it. Here's what we're doing. Yes. We're doing this now. So you loved that. But what, like, were you, did you play ball and stuff too? Baseball player, spent a lot of time playing wiffle ball in the backyard, spent a lot of time on team sports, a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball, but for the most part spent my life with a glove on my hand and a, and a baseball bat across the handlebars of my bicycle, spending right. time going to the ballpark and playing 500 in the, in the outfield and all different kinds of games that we would make up and try right. and play. Yeah. So moving on, you're, you're not an architect. Yeah, or an archaeologist. Or, or, or I'm sorry, archaeologist. <laughs> no, well, you could argue you're an architect. There's probably merit to that. Sorry, you're not an archaeologist. But um, and listen to Ed's podcast for some of the other information. Ed Ed kind of leads through a lot of that time, so I don't want to spend a lot of time there. But you did um, when you got out of high school. You you went to college, right? And then you didn't go to college. I one semester of, of college away. Right. Yeah, had plans of being a then an art teacher was kind of where I was headed right. and thinking of the the path I was going to be on. But left and went away to college, and then uh, left after one semester and came back home and started working. What? When, where did you get the love of archaeology? Was it just from? Just movies and stuff and books and... Movies, and then also I remember in sixth grade we did a, a study on kind of the, the origins of man, going through and, you know, Dr. Leakey and you know, doing these digs and finding these skulls and bones and, and treasures and, and artifacts right. and those kind of things. And I don't know, the, the whole process of that fascinated me and, and uh, did some digging in, in, uh, in and around my house and found a couple of arrowheads and I was hooked. That's pretty cool to have that right at your house. Yeah. I remember digging around when I was a kid and like finding an old farm implement or something like mm-hmm. an old like I don't know I'm making this up but pair of pliers or something whatever you know from 18 some odd mm-hmm. right and it's a cool it's really cool yeah it's a treasure hunt that's uh, a blast finding that wondering whose hands were on it last who right. was using this and what was it for was it right. were they you know working on an old tractor and it fell off and got you know lost it and what's the story behind it right, yeah. right. there's got to be a story and a, yeah. and, a, and a history behind it and where did that come from and that's why i wanted to do a podcast i just i want to i want to know the story yeah like, there's a story everywhere Everybody's dig into story. that right so when did art come along? Um, mostly in high school. I had, um, the, did you the, just have a knack for it? And I was um, slightly creative. I wouldn't say that I was a great artist, but it was something that I really enjoyed. And the coolest people in high school were the art teachers. They were just the coolest, nicest, uh, most rounded, um, uh, real people that, that genuinely showed a real interest in me growing up and in high school and in my uh, education and in, in my success. And those people had a, a lot of influence on me, and uh, I loved that, and, and I wanted to try and replicate that, be that, that same kind of a person. Was that your favorite subject, or was it just you dug the people in the scene? A little bit of both. Was a little it? bit of both. It was, again, I enjoyed the process, and I loved art, although um, you know, I, I certainly didn't. I don't think that I, I think out of that side of my head as much as, as artists do, um, but it's... Um, it was always something that I enjoyed doing and, and yeah. had a little bit of a knack for it. Again, I wasn't great at it, but it was something I enjoyed. Are you still creative? A little bit. A little bit. Not as much as I was. And every once in a while, I'll pull out a, a pad of paper and a pencil or a little bit of paint or something and try and do it again. And it's, it's hard to kind of get back to that um, that lifestyle and that process. It's hard to really go back and do a lot of those things. But yeah. every once in a while, I do. I do more writing now than I probably do painting or drawing. So Yeah. 
Yeah. Like journaling, or, or is it like you creating stories and stuff? Uh, and more um, uh, kind of along the blogging and, and just kind of general you have a blog? I have, is it published? Have one. It's out there. How come I don't know that? Plug it. What is it? It's it's, it's called um, a Cancer Sucks, I think is what it's called. So I have seen that yeah. one. I just forgot about it. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's all right. Yeah. You, listeners need to, li- to read that. Do um, you want to talk about that? Sure. Sure. Okay, can I let's talk about that in a second because I want to I want to understand what influenced you to go from like the love of archaeology and then kind of a passion for art. Mm-hmm. Did, would you say that you had a passion for art or was it a love of the whole experience of creating? More, I would say more the experience. More the experience. Yeah, yeah I get that. I think th- that was a pretty good question, wasn't it? It was good. It was very good. It almost says if you might have had that written down. I didn't. I just thought of that. that. Yeah, so that's fascinating to me to think about. Like, I have a theory about passions and purpose and, you know, desires. and you know, I, I have not a theory. I, I have beliefs mm-hmm. about what we should do with passions and purposes and how, you know, God created us for this and this and stuff. And I'm not going to go into that right now. That's another podcast. But... The idea of, of being passionate about something doesn't necessarily mean you should pursue it as a vocation. No, no, not necessarily. Right. It's part of something that is, I think, part of your DNA, part of, that's that's part of your creation. Right. And uh, something that, that just may be a love or an excitement or a hobby or whatever it could be. A little, but, you know, teaching ways. was never a cash cow. No. So you didn't really listen to Dad anyway. Uh, either way, I was not going <laughs> to make a lot of money. <laughs> so we've gone from making no money to making a little bit yeah Yeah, and then and then so out of out of college you're like this isn't for me which i made it a whole year i made it a year and a week (laughs) and off air i'll tell you why i left my after the week i won't i'm not going to say that publicly okay okay but it's a funny story but i understand again um I don't want to park here too long, but I understand that you had an opportunity to work at a bank. Right. You took it, and I guess you just saw that as an opportunity. Yeah, and it was, and it was something again that I I was genuinely good at, and so something I enjoyed. I had a chance. I was a stock boy at J.C. Penney's, and the, one of the cashiers, her mom was a manager at a bank, and um, she said, "Yep, that, that the bank down at the other end of the mall is is hiring." And I went down and grabbed that job. Again, it was a, a great opportunity and one that paid about the same, just a little bit more than what I was making, and was a great chance to step into something that I eventually spent 35 years doing. Right, and that's actually how you and I met was through yes business and banking. So along the way. What were some things that that began to form you? Because you know, at eighteen, we think, and nineteen, we think we've we got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the influence of our parents, whatever they taught us. You know, my dad was, you know, a boomer. No, I'm not a boomer. My kids call me a boomer. They tell me I was born in the 1900s. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, you know, we get that influence and. You know, some of us listen to our parents, some of us don't, but but we're all shaped by it. So from your career in banking, you're clearly you had had some success. Mm-hmm. People liked you. And then how did do you think that there was an influence of your like your your childhood passions for exploration and archaeology and 
and then art. How, did those ever tie into your your career? Do you think that that was an influence in your career at all? Uh, maybe, maybe somewhat, but I think it it. Shaped. I mean, it's almost loose as I think about the question. You know, but, well, and the, the the process of banking is is pretty regimented. You know, it's, it's regulated. It's, it's specific. Yeah, it's it's push the button and get a result. Right, 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 and going through that. So the, I think the part of my brain or the part that did was more influential on me was then how those pieces and those passions helped influence me in being a manager at the bank or how it allowed me then to go out and bring customers into the bank and be able to serve those customers. I think that allowed me to be more creative and go out and do it in a little bit different way. I remember somebody telling me one time, I need you to go from A to B. I need you to complete B and you need to get there. And I didn't want them to tell me how to get to B. Mm-hmm. I wanted to figure it out. I right. didn't want them to go, well, make sure you do X, Y, and Z first. I wanted to I wanted to figure out how to get to B by myself. And that required that I be creative. Now, maybe I took a long path. I went way, way, way out of my way in order to try to get it accomplished. But I wanted to figure that out. I wanted to learn that and create that way in order to get to B. Were you difficult about that kind of stuff? Were you like, don't you tell me what to do? I'm going to figure this out. Or not, were... not obstinate. I mean, I was... <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I do that, or maybe have ever done that. For anyways, listen. I've known Mark for about five or six years now, and no, he's not a (laughs) not a challenging man um, in that regard. But um, so going from A to B, like clearly creativity. Clearly, you've Mm got you know at 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 some point along the way you got into management. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Did you? How many people did you manage? Oh, man, at one time, let's see, I managed a little over 100 people, I guess, at one point. Really? That's a lot of people to manage. I was a district manager at a bank. I managed 12 branch locations in St. Louis, one in Denver, Colorado. And so I managed the the function of all of those branch locations, the branch manager, the assistant manager, all the tellers. They all fell under my responsibility. So did you manage the managers or do you manage all of them? Uh, Manage the managers directly, but all of the individuals. But they were were all under your purview. Right. right. But, okay, because I'm thinking 100 people, like, we know better now. Oh, yeah. Like 12? I was say 10 or 12 is in pretty much your max to yeah. really be able to manage. Effective, less than 10. Right. You know. Yeah, so I didn't know you were, you served in that capacity. But it makes sense. That's kind of a reasonable path for a banker. You start as a teller. You learn the system. You learn the players. You learn how the rules work and which buttons to push and smile and be nice to people, right? right? At some point, it's like... And then it, your growth is, is comes down to personality mm-hmm. often, right? Right. Have a chance to be able to step into lower level management and learn to manage people, kind of learn from that process. And I was fortunate, again, at the bank where I was when I first started, that they had a, a management training program. Did they? And I did that for about 19 months, um, probably longer than I needed to. But the, the, there really weren't any openings or opportunities to be able to step into a management role. But went through a training program for about 19 months and then stepped into lower level management and Enjoyed. Was that a proprietary uh, training program to the bank, or yes. did they outsource? Yeah. No, okay. something specific within the bank. So what year was that? Like what era, what time? Oh, gosh, would that? have been uh, 83 to 84, 5. Oh, that's right, because I was thinking, okay. So you were still, you were just right right out of high, yeah. right out of high school. And 20, 20-ish, 21, maybe 22. Okay. Yeah. Do, looking back, do you think you what, that was an effective... Training program? The way that with, within the bank, it allowed me to 
Um, and, the, and I worked for Community Federal Savings Loan. And so they had, I had an account with them. It was the, the big blue chip of the savings business. That's right. The, uh, they had 40-something branches <clears throat> in the St. Louis area, several in mid-Missouri, some in Kansas City. But the, in, in my role in, as a manager trainee, I would go and fill in at any one of those 40 branch locations in St. Louis in whatever capacity they needed me to. So I got to work with really, really good branch managers and really good head tellers and really bad head tellers and bad assistant managers. And I got to kind of pick and choose from each one of those individuals things that I loved and things that I wanted to try and incorporate into my own style when I had a chance to step into a branch location and be able to manage those people. So it was very effective for me personally. Can you can you learn something positive from a negative experience? Oh, yes. Yeah, tremendous. Because like a, cl- a classic answer to, hey, can you learn something from a, a negative, like someone who had a, who was a, a bad employee? Yeah, you learn what not to do. Mm-hmm. But that's a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. How, what's a, an example of something that, like I don't want to put you on the spot too much anyway, but... Like, what's something that you could learn from a bad teller manager? Like, has it just come down to, um, just imagine at Chick-fil-A, they don't say, my pleasure? Like, just simple stuff like that? Along those lines, but how to work with an employee and how to praise publicly and, and chastise in private. I remember, you know... Uh, a manager chewing an employee out in front of a customer. Oh, you would never do that. And watching those things happen and watching that employee crumble and realizing that you you, you just completely destroyed the opportunity to be able to build that employee up. That's all, that's, I think most often something you don't, you can't recover from. No, it hurts. You watch that. You've lost that that employee. You watch that employee fall apart. And you've damaged them. Mm Mm-hmm. Like poor man, poor leadership has such a high cost mm-hmm. beyond just to the company and and responsibility. I mean, genuinely, again, not just to the company. Yeah. But in in that role and in that title, I um, mean, it doesn't necessarily have to have a title, but there's a tremendous amount of responsibility in leading the right way. Do you think you you do you think you were you were you in that role, or did you assume a, a persona? Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both. That's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, that. at that young age, I don't know that. Like looking back again, I may I didn't really finish the question, but at that age, we think we know what, what who we are. Sure. We really don't. You know, you and I are about the same age, mm-hmm. and I'm still interested to see who you know, Where six, I'm going. 65, 75, 85, and God willing, ninety five year old Mike is. Yes. Like I hope he's I hope he's cool. <laughs> I hope I like him. <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no doubt. So, you you would you you're a businessman. You're a college dropout, and you're a businessman with some responsibility. That felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. You probably had a couple bucks in your pocket. Doing good, getting paid decent. I was the the youngest assistant vice president that the company had ever had, sitting at a table with my. Thank you. Let's get some applause for that. That's awesome. <laughs> Way to go, Mark! You're the youngest, what? The youngest assistant, assistant vice president. Vice yeah. president. Yeah, yeah. they are big with titles at the bank. But uh, uh, serving in that that piece, I was at the table with a lot of old time bankers. Yeah. That um, kind of looked at me as the young kid, the young whippersnapper that really didn't know what the heck he's doing. And in a lot of ways, they were right. Right. Um, were you humble back then about that? Or a little cocky at that point? You? you know, you get that title and and knowing that you had it. And felt like you'd earned it. Um, like the day you got your badge? Uh, yes. Like, yeah. 
that that day, like you walk out and you're like, oh man. I still have the name, but the, the plaque that's set on the front of my desk. I <laughs> have, it, have in, it in my garage. <laughs> yes, I do. That's fantastic. <laughs> it says Mark A. Hollander, Assistant Vice President. Yes, <laughs> that's a big deal. Um, you, it, it, when you think about when I think about banking, I don't think anything funny. Mm-hmm. Like, but do you have any funny stories about banking? Oh gosh, um, uh, like the the one single time that I got robbed. You got robbed? Yes. Like. Your not, your not branch branch. I was in the branch closing a commercial loan, and uh, taking care of a commercial customer and finishing the loan, and a uh, a young man ran right past me out the front door, sprinted behind me out the, the the parking lot, and then fell down across the hood of a car, and I stood there and watched him do that. And the lady across from the desk for me, who I was closing the loan for, said, "I think the branches got robbed." And I said, I've been doing this for 30 years. We didn't no just way. get robbed. That's, that's not what happened. And uh, the, one of the other employees came over and said to us, um, I need for you to stay right where you're at. The police are on their way. We just got robbed. And so um, I saw this gentleman fall down across the hood of a car, and I saw where he put his hand, and I knew that they would then be able to get a fingerprint from that car. And so when the police got there, had him dust that car, got a fingerprint. They wound up catching the guy. And I don't think it was just because of the fingerprint. I'm sure he did something else stupid and got yeah. busted. But yeah, you don't usually just do no. just one dumb thing. No, it was usually a, a, a. I mean, a starting from the robbing part. Is, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. But that's still a crazy experience. I'm still friends with uh, that customer today. Really? And uh, and and every time she sees me, she says I had still a little, little bit of PSD from that day. Yes, I know. You're probably friends with a lot of customers, though, aren't you? As part of my part of my job was um, just being friendly. Well, and to learn about what people do, and and that's I think that's something that's part of again who I am and what makes me up. I love yeah. to hear the story and to understand what makes somebody tick and what makes them want to start a business. And um, that was part of part of my responsibility. Then was was taking that person's story and sharing it to the the, the loan underwriters or to the loan committee or whatever it was, in order to try and get that deal approved. That's awesome. I was, I was just thinking about how we met. So Mark and I met in Panama on uh, on a trip. Uh, yes. We were doing some work with the church and a school. So uh, my church had never really invited people along to mission trips. But this one time, this one particular time, <clears throat> we had some people come along. So Mark and some other guys came. I didn't know Mark. We did the whole week or whatever we did. Whatever we did. We did our thing. We worked on the school. And we're at the airport in Panama City, Panama. And there's this guy that looks kind of like me. I don't remember if I was in front of you or behind you, but I'm like, hey man, I, my name is Mike. I don't, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't get to see you this week. We were, I, I don't know if I was painting and you were doing whatever I was, well, whatever. Yeah. We, so we, we sparked up a conversation and it, it came around to, so what do you do, man? You're like, well, I'm a commercial banker. And and I remember, I'm like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Hey, we I might sure, need your services. <laughs> we might need to talk. <laughs> so I shared my short story. And that was when I was opening up my first osteostrong. And you're like, yeah, let's meet. <clears throat> so I remember, and this is a great story. And I, and I love revisiting this in my head because I had my business plan. I had the numbers. I had, man, I had it down. I knew what I needed. And we sat down across the table at McDonald's, like the dirtiest McDonald's I ever been to in my in life. In Earth City. In Earth City. It was bad. Yes. Um, 
But we had a great time, and I showed Mark my numbers. I showed you my numbers, and you're like, yeah, it looks good. Now, I'm probably skipping some steps here, but I remember during this process, like you said the same thing to me. You're like, well, let me present this to my board. It looks great. I love it. I'm in. I want to help you. Mm -hmm. And I felt amazing. And um, so here's the funny part is we're getting down to the final numbers, and I'm like, nope, I need this much money, and that's all I need. And you're like, well, I, I'm going to go ahead and open up this credit line for you because <laughs> you're going to need it. I think this is, would be helpful. <laughs> and I said, nope, I don't need it. And it was like, it's $20,000. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, nope, I don't need that credit line. And you're like, I'm just going to open this for you just in case. I'm not saying you do or you don't, but I'm going to open this credit line. And... Guys, after I after I built that business, I used all but like two hundred dollars of that credit line. I'm like, oh, he was right. <laughs> and you had it down, man. It was fun. That was, a, like, that was a great gig. You knew your stuff too. So let me ask you, who who were the influences in banking? Like when I think about banking, mm -hmm. I'm going to be real with you. I don't think about like coming up the ranks and learning from this guy or that guy. I think about you know, self-study, maybe some classes, maybe school, mm -hmm. you know, going to some business classes and, and self-study. When I think about bankers, like now, I, I guess you'd probably have to have a degree to move up. Who knows? Right. Much, much, much more needed now than it was back then. Right. But it's more complex mm -hmm. now. So, but who influenced you? Like, who led you through that? Did you have mentors in, yeah, the, big in time. the bank? Did you really? Yeah, and I had um, and actually just reconnected with probably my very first mentor. Her name was Ann Phillips. Ann was a tremendous um, influence on me early in my career. Um, she actually is the manager that hired me into the, my first job as a teller, but then also helped and nurtured me kind of through that, um, that management training program and then placed me as a manager into, um, into my first branch up in Florissant. Um, I just reconnected with her. She came into my cafe and sat down, and her and I sat there and, and cried and hugged one another. And oh, she's no. a great influence. <laughs> yes, wonderful, wonderful lady. What's some of the stuff she taught you? Just right? and Mostly being very real and being compassionate. Um, that's, Compassion and banking—that's like jumbo shrimp to me. You know, true. Again, there's a lot of there's a lot involved in numbers, um, but but when I met you, and and this is you know I, this is this isn't you know uh, butter up to Mark Hollander hour, but I think that was a remarkable thing to me was how much you cared about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why does I, I didn't understand why. Now, I knew that there was a loan at the end of it, and that's how you make money. Right. Let's be real. It's good for you to be compassionate. Mm -hmm. It's fiscally good for you. But I didn't see any of that to you. To you. I mean, to me, you were just more like, man, I want to help this dude. I, I bought your vision. And that was like, part of it, I think. I mean, that's part of the 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 responsibilities of being a good banker you have to be able to do that it's also important to be able to sit back and tell somebody that you know they're what they really want to do isn't possible or there are different ways in order to be able to do it and it may not be the right situation for the bank yeah. to be involved in whatever it was but sitting down and learning somebody's story and hearing that passion and that idea behind whatever they want to try and get accomplished is again part of that thing that just excited me about doing it it allowed me to be creative again in a little bit of a different way in order to try and come up with the right structure and the yeah, right Yeah, I can product. see that. The, the creativity coming into knowing the 
knowing the possibilities. Like, mm-hmm. there's this kind of loan, there's that kind of loan, there's this kind of SBA this, there's non-SBA, mm-hmm. there's a... I don't know the commercial side, but I did lending and, and uh, on a residential stuff. And um, there's a lot of ways, man. The most successful people were the ones who knew it was available. Mm-hmm. Make it work. Make it work for us. Create a structure that the bank is happy with. How can and, it be profitable? Mm-hmm. And again, that's part of my responsibility, but yeah. also make sure that it's something that, that a customer can live with. I don't want to throw something out that you know ties them up or binds them up that doesn't allow them to continue right. to live their life in some way, but, but still create a, a structure that makes everybody happy. So her leadership or her mentorship mm-hmm. really brought you into that fold. Mm-hmm. Were, were you a compassionate guy when you were younger, like when you were a kid? Um, maybe more so, um, maybe so, more so as I kind of headed into high school, Really, um, the, the idea of, of genuinely loving other people and enjoying their company and things. Um, I went to a whole bunch of grade schools and spent a lot of time meeting a lot of people and, and being social was something that I guess was always inside of me and something I enjoy doing, but really caring about people. I had somebody stop me the other day and they said, wait a minute, you were, you were buddies with so-and-so and so-and-so and he was the hot one and he was the funny one and you were the nice one. Did you want to be the hot one? Well, it kind of disappointed me a little bit, but I wasn't, I wasn't the hot one. Because they don't, the they don't, like the girls, they don't want the nice one. No. Oh, he's so nice. You were the nice guy. You were the nice oh, one. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, man. No, that's all right. Sorry, I didn't work okay. out for you. It's okay. It's all right. I did okay. I'm all right. <laughs> but as much as we look alike, I'm like, yeah, it didn't work for me. Yeah, it's okay. So, <clears throat> your career in banking, um, did you serve as a mentor to other people in, in banking in, in that arena? Probably so, and probably without really realizing it, you know, stepping in and being able to, quote, unquote, manage people and help them and mentor them and and guide them along the way, help them to, um, I remember remember telling um, an assistant manager of mine that that one of my favorite things to do was to have one of my employees get promoted out from underneath me into something else. Yeah. And that was, although it created a a hole in my place because I needed to fill that back in. It was so satisfying to see somebody else be successful. That's Watch a real that. mature mindset. I mean, not all managers are like that, you know. That's a very mature and... That was so fun watching somebody grow and know that you had a little part in seeing them grow, seeing them get a job, getting be promoted, even if it was outside the bank. Um, then move on to something else that they're excited about and passionate about. And how much fun is that to see somebody go and explore something else and know that you had a little part in that growth? That's not common, you know. That's not the norm for a a business person. Part of that DNA, I think, that we talked a little bit before about who you are and what's inside you. That that God part that's inside there that that He has created you or me very uniquely how we are, and I think that's just part of who I am. Were your parents real empathetic and encouraging, and were they uh, compassionate? People? Mom, yes. Mom, yes. Dad was much more rigid, and Dad was a um, assistant chief of police in St. Peter's for twenty oh, okay. years. Gotcha. So very. So he's um, a you know rules by the book. Manly man. Yes. Yeah. Just get her done. Mom, very, very, very <laughs> compassionate, very uh, um, intuitive, very deep. Um, it's still very much that way. She's a, a tremendous influence still and continues to be on my life. So That's we are, cool. and we're her and I are very much alike. So when your career is winding down, so let's talk about the cancer thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
at some point you had a scare. Yes. And you get it checked out and... Yeah, I had a little tiny spot on my arm. Um, uh, it was a mole that had gotten cut off um, in, a, in a project working on the house. Um, went to get it looked at by the doctor, and, and really it was just kind of a side thing. I was sitting in the doctor's office waiting to, to uh, uh, get my high blood pressure medicine refilled. And I said, hey, doc, look at this. And I said, this kind of grew back weird. And he took a look at my left arm and said, oh, I don't like that. And so he took a sample of it, sent it off, turned out to be um, uh, malignant melanoma, um, aggressive growing, but all topical, and it wasn't a big deal. Um, took care of that. It came back then about five years later in the form of a under-the-skin uh, tumor and got it taken out again, not a big deal. And, but it happened two more times. Um, all under the skin and all scans come back totally fine. Mm -hmm. And so then about, um, they put me on a, on an annual scan. I went back, um, a, a couple of years later. Now this is probably seven or eight years then from the original, the original instance. Right. But, um, went back, had it looked at and it was an egg sized tumor in my lymph nodes. And so the stage four in your lymph nodes, um, and again, pretty scary process and yeah. a scary diagnosis and prognosis, kind of that process. Yeah, that's nothing to mess around with. Yeah. But no. now, scans, annual, yep. clean. Good and clear. Been how clear many, now how many for years? six years now. Six years beyond post-original um, di diagnosis and uh, four years post-all uh, treatments. I did 41 treatments and all good so far. When you were going through treatments, and this could be just a, a really ju juvenile question, but when you were going through your treatments... Were you like, all right, God, um, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start preparing for the end. Like, did you have those moments that like, uh, clearly you're still here. So yes. everything worked out. Everything worked out just It all fine. worked out good. <laughs> but did you reach that deep low where you were, you like, you really feared that this was it? There was, um, I remember going to the doctor and saying to my oncologist, I said, this really isn't that big a deal, right? It's just skin cancer. And he said, no, if you're seeing me, this is a big deal. And he said, um, if we don't do anything with this, you've got about a year to live. And, yeah, you immediately start thinking about your funeral. Tell you me about, about that about, drive home, though. Oh, I, they, I don't remember the drive home, but I remember going and sitting uh, in my car on the top level of the parking lot at Siteman BJC downtown and bawling and pounding the steering wheel. Right. Um, I was could not believe it, it that's was, an honorable response right there that's what a that's what a that's i think that's what a man would do that's just i couldn't believe it uh, that seriously i'm this age young mid early 50s mm -hmm. and like i can't believe that that re this really could be it um what were you thinking like i got so much more to do or i i'll miss my wife or i love my job like what do you think again these could be dumb questions but no. i i love those this life like what, what was your what was your sadness because you're a christian you're mm -hmm. you know where you're going right you're confident in your destination completely so what was what was the loss what was the what was the, the what were what were the tears for so many so many dreams unfulfilled i think in um 
and things that I would get to do and spend with my wife, yeah. um, spend time with my girls, watch my girls um, get married, spend time with my grandkids, all those right. things that I had dreamt of and watched uh, my dad and parents do and part of things that I wanted to, to genuinely have as part of my life moving forward suddenly felt like I got, you know, like a, that rug got pulled out from my Yeah, how am I going to do all that in a year? Right. Right. I got a lot of stuff I want to jam in here, and uh, I can't create grandkids that I'm going to get to go play with at the pool or go fishing with or go to the ball game with or whatever. But uh, there are a lot of unfulfilled dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Preemptive loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> me too. I don't want to make light of it, but here we are, and, and, you're, I, and you're good. You're healthy. You're and good. there are oftentimes I will make light of it, and I know it ticks some people off that you know I joke about it. But um, I'm like, that's ah, okay. I got cancer. You know, right. and, and again, that's not something to joke with. No, it's like, not. You don't want to offend anybody. No. But let's be no. real. That you. Know, what was I watching? Um, I watched a video of a friend of mine delivering a message about. Abram and becoming Abraham in the Bible, and I'm not going to make this a, a, a Christian podcast here, but but he talks about in this in this message. I just I listened to this this morning. He talks about how everyone suffers some sort of thing. Maybe it's loss. Maybe it's unfil- untapped future potential. Maybe it's something, but we all suffer. Mm-hmm. We all do in some ways or another. And, you know, we can look back at our lives as men and say, man, that really sucked or that really sucked, but I made it through. And, you know, the, the, the ones that I think are, are really powerful are the ones that see it for what it is. It's in the past. It's mm-hmm. over. Yeah, something to grow from, something to learn from. And again, it was a horrible experience, but one I wouldn't trade for anything. Right. What, what did you learn about life? Oh, man, the, the, that it is just a whisper. You know, it is just uh, a, a quick wisp of air that, that will pass by. And you think that, man, it's, I want 70 or 80 years. But in the grand scope of things, that is a little tiny speck for eternity. It is. Yeah. And, and realizing that there is so much beyond the, 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 the process of this, this temporary home. Yeah. Yeah. Let me change gears here. You, you ever been insulted? Insulted. Insulted. Anybody, anybody ever insult you? Uh, occasionally okay yeah. and what's an insult you receive that you're proud of oh man insult that i am proud of um that i am too nice yeah i'll take that yeah yeah man you are just way too nice you need to toughen up do you Get think me. people don't believe it yeah i think that i think sometimes I, that people like he's think, like he might really be just a like just a mongrel charlatan yeah yeah yeah, yeah completely yeah i had, a, I had an employee that i had to terminate recently and yeah he he got a hold of of my wife and told her that she needed to really step back and re-examine who she married oh lord said yep yeah, he is a horrible person and oh. so uh and and you know melissa was not quick to take marital advice to, from a 20-year-old single guy who we had just, you know, let go. Yeah. But yeah, he was extremely mad at me and, and, and felt that I was a horrible, horrible person. So, Well, maybe a word to him. <laughs> I don't know. Briefly, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> so you do a lot of different things now. Mm-hmm. So you, you do the um, St. Charles County Vision Leadership Program, right. Right. which is great. You and your just adorably lovely bride own 
uh, cafe, La Belle V Cafe. And what does La Belle V mean? It means the beautiful life. The beautiful life. Are you a member of like Lions Club, Kiwanis? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? No, um, and have in the past. I was yeah. a you know, Kiwanis Club, Rotary Club. Um, yeah. Those, those kind of civic organizations, mostly as part of uh, my responsibilities at the bank. But uh, I'm yeah, that not makes now. Sense. Yeah. So you're in chambers. You're mm-hmm. involved in chambers. What else do you do? Oh, on several nonprofit boards. I'm, on the, I'm, the, I'm the vice president and then treasurer for the Sparrows Nest Maternity Home. Um, I love the Sparrow's Nest. Thank you. Yeah, great organization. Did a lot of tremendous things and great influence on, on the lives of, of young moms and their babies. It's yeah. a great opportunity to serve on that capacity. Yeah. I also serve on the uh, Cottleville Firefighters Outreach Board. And I serve as their treasurer and on their board of directors. I see a trend. Yeah. A little financial like, piece. Treasure. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably stuck with you forever. It's oh. like, let's get Mark. He can be the treasurer. He's a banker. He can balance yeah. a checkbook. Is that, is that, I mean, does that piss you off? Not at all. Really? Not at all. Like, no, do you enjoy I, I mean, the, the actual treasury part. No, Serving on boards is tough. It, it's time-consuming. It's hard. But the, the, the financial piece, and again, that's something that I'm skilled at and can do, and it's a way yeah. that I can serve in a capacity that helps, and a lot of people don't like to do it, so I sure don't mind. Yeah. 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 Well, somebody's got to do it. Yes. How would your parents describe you now? Um, I would hope that my dad, uh, and again, my dad's been gone now for 24 years. Um, I would hope that that he would be um, proud of who I am and where I'm at now in life. I think that, again, there were a lot of times that I spent a lot of time trying to continue to make him proud, even though he had been gone for a long time. But I know my mom is is very proud and uh, doesn't necessarily even understand what I do a lot of times with this vision thing. Yeah. Um, but knows that I'm involved in the community. I took her to a doctor's appointment today, and she said something about, "Man, you know a lot of people. You really do know a lot of people." <laughs> my kids say that everywhere we go, like everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, "Hey, there's Mayor Hennessy. Yeah, there's you know, there's you know, <laughs> oh this guy, oh, he's the fire chief." And they're like, "Dad." Oh. Don't you know? I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I love people. Yeah. I know. But you know, I didn't always love people. Really? I, it seems like you always did. Yeah. I never did. Interesting. Really? I would have totally not guessed that. I, so this is going to become a Christian podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, I was really just the self-serving guy. Like, I went to church. I accepted Christ at 12. And I, mm-hmm. I went, I, I, that was my thing. And then. Going to college, I stopped going to church. But, I, you know, being a musician, it was always about getting the gig, getting the money, getting the... And um, <clears throat> I just... Somehow, I went from being... I, I think my my mo- mom and dad, my dad's past, my mom might say different now. I don't know, my brothers and sister might say different. But I was a pretty good kid. Mm-hmm. Pretty smart. And I liked people. I was very shy, though. And then, um, I think as, as an adult, I just... Kind of like a poverty mindset kind of thing, you know, and I just always wanted to like do better and I always felt like I wasn't doing well enough, you know, and I was angry and, and then, you know, then God started working on me and it, it's miraculous what, what, you know, a relationship with Jesus Christ can do for mm-hmm. you. So here we are, I adore people and I'm fascinated by people, and I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know more about them. I invited you on because I, 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 I love your story. I love what you do. I love that 
everybody that I know knows you. And I know a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And you know a lot of people. And I think a lot of people that know you know me. And this is a great way for them to know a little bit more about sure. you. And, and I want to highlight that. So um, you were in banking forever, but what's... You know, let me give you some softball questions. Okay. I sent you some questions in advance, and it seems like I never ask the questions when we get on the podcast. <clears throat> but what was your least favorite job? Least favorite job? Um, sweeping parking lots. That'd be a bad job. Yeah, it was a dirty job. What's a, What would be a funny story your family tells about you? Um, the one time I, I, was, I was probably eight or nine years old. My sister was two years younger than me. And uh, I went to fake a punch at her and instead <laughs> drilled her right in the jaw and knocked her off. You over, knocked her out. <laughs> totally knocked her out. Uh, knocked her off of a step, down some steps, and I was completely trying to just fake and swing and miss her. And Did she I, lean into it? No. I just you totally misjudged? missed. I misjudged and I cold cocked her. I nailed her. And to Sorry, this day, that's not funny. I love my sister too. And, <laughs> that's uh, so not funny. <laughs> my, to this day, my mom still laughs at, "Hey, want to see this?" And uh, and there goes my sister Mernie down the steps. Yeah. <clears throat> What's um? So with loving people and loving their stories, uh, I know you. You, I know you do. I know you personally. Mm-hmm. I know that to be true. What's a legacy that I think? What is that? What does that? What does that? What does it do? What does it do to to our community? Mm -hmm. You loving people. What does that add to our community? Man, I. uh, That's that's, a hard question. That's a hard question and a hard process because the, um, in that, in that it's not something that you want to then realize that it's, that it's heaping praise on me. That's not that's not why I do it, and not something that's not the end goal. It's a hard, It's like maybe you shouldn't be the person that I asked that to. Maybe right? yeah, that, that that feels awkward. I mean, that I should ask your wife that question. Maybe like, yeah. how does your husband impact the community? Yeah. Uh, can we get her on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> She's down at the cafe right now. <laughs> maybe I'll send her a text. <laughs> but but knowing, you know, I like when I when I coach people, I. I'll ask them, like, what's your superpower? Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you, what's your superpower? <clears throat> I, would, I would hope that it would be, I guess that I would like to believe that it is just loving people and genuinely caring about other people. There is, that, it, that sounds maybe so silly and superficial and, like, not a big deal. But, man, there is, there is nothing I enjoy more, like you just said, yeah. in learning and loving on people, hearing their story, becoming involved in their life in some way, no matter what it might be. That is um, tremendously satisfying. How? Mm, deep, deeply knowing people, I think, is something that just doesn't happen a lot. I think it's really easy to superficially know a lot of people. And yeah, you can walk into a chamber meeting and everybody is glad, hand in ear, shaking your hands. Or Walking down the steps into cheers and norm, right? right? Well, that's awesome. Yeah. But man, you know, when you, when you go and you, you take a look at Again, and, and through vision, you get to meet a lot of people. Yeah. And every year I get the, the opportunity to spend time with 30, 35 brand new leaders in the community. And some I might know and some I want to get to know. But a great chance to really genuinely get to know those people and, and find out what makes them tick and what's going on in their life. What's a, what's a personality type that you're fascinated by? 
Um, Not by name, but who's someone categorically that fascinates you? The, the and I'm on the disc scale. I'm a high, a high I, um, and high D's. The dominant is something that again always fascinates me because I wonder, um, and again being a person of faith, how it is possible to reconcile those at different times. How can I be so dominant, so strong? So domineering in some ways, how do you then go back through and reconcile? Because being a high I person, that would be difficult for me. But it would be, be, it would be out of and beyond my personality type or my personality trait, which would make it harder for me. But that doesn't mean that I understand or know their relationship with, with God, their creator, and how that part or what is built in their DNA. But that, that process fascinates me. And again, kind of that personality type is interesting to me. I'm a high I, but my D is almost as high. And mine is like like bottom of the scale D, high I, little bit of an S, and then C falls off the table. Yeah, what's well, a C? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's more like di- I'm, I'm a I'm a dis profile. <laughs> yeah. Have you done the um, what's it called? Oh gosh, I can't think of the name now. Pr- predictive index. No, I've not. If you have a chance do predictive index and it's a whole different category whole different uh, categorically it breaks people up into different things but it's the only personality profile that's legally usable for hiring and firing oh okay so i when i hire somebody i'm always like here fill this out Mm -hmm. you know let me see because i don't want to hire people that are me Mm -hmm. so the concept would be like there's a bunch of personality types but on this one, I'm what's called a Voyager. Okay. Which is where, where the D comes in, you know, on disc. You're like, you're, you're going, you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in control. You're the, the captain of the ship. Okay. Right. And <clears throat> as I've grown, as, a, as, a, as I'm aging and losing my hair and, and growing in, in faith and you know, trying to be a better dude, I realize there are things that I'm just no good at. Mm-hmm. And in my business, I'm horrible at some things, but it's my business. But it's not my business to do those things. It's my business to hire those out. Mm-hmm. So what were you awesome at in business, in in banking? What were you awesome at? Sales. It, it was, was being out closing the deal. Yep. Getting out and making the deal, closing it. So, did you look at closing the deal? Look at some. Did you read Ziegler and mm-hmm. and all the all all the greats, right? Sure, sure. Augmentino read a lot of the stuff. Yep. So, obviously, making the connection, having the, you know, the the closing the deal. Mm-hmm. That's all the art of it. And and did you look at it as an art? Yes. Yeah. Again, I'm something that I knew was I was good at. Something I could do. I had felt like. I figured out a different way of going A to B and creating that opportunity in order to generate that sale. What was your different way? Just Was it really just connecting with the, the person on a personal level? Yeah, more relationally. I felt yeah. like it was if, if I closed a deal for you know, Mr. Customer yeah. that I was going to be around. I it's still a transaction. 
Yeah, but you have a relationship out of it, right. which is the plus one, right? Because and and then you've got an opportunity to continue to grow that relationship and get a little more and business get and get an in, and, referral, right. get an introduction, whatever it was. Yep, I didn't close the deal and close the book and thank you very much. You'll get your payment coupon in the mail next week and and make sure you stay on time so I'll have to call you back up. You know, I just tell right. people that you know our our job at the bank was to get repaid, not to make the loan. We got to get repaid, so right. let's make this deal right. So right, yeah. Yeah, here in, in, in this business where, where we're sitting, we're sitting in one of my Astios Run Centers. It's a membership, so we collect their card and it bills them every month until they tell us to stop, right? Mm-hmm. But that, that's the transaction. Now, at my age now, at 54 years old, that tra- transaction is the lowest part of my, my job and, mm-hmm. my, and my desire. I need it. Because that's how I feed my family, mm-hmm. much like you. And I think we, I think you and I now, back then, I think 20 years ago, we would have been different. Mm-hmm. I would have been, close the deal, move on. Right. Let's roll. But people change, right? Praise God. And But that that transaction, it has to be, you have to have a transaction. Sure, it has to be a part of that, right? The, those dollars pay for your groceries. It also pays for two or three or five or 15 other employees' groceries and all those things. That becomes part of the responsibility that you have as a business owner to be able to do that and handle right. it the right way. And I don't make any any excuses with, with our members here, um, our clientele. If somebody asks me about money or if, we're, if the conversation leads to it, I'll say, look, your, your membership pays for my like my dinner tonight for my family. Mm-hmm. That's that's how commerce works, and yes. I'm a capitalist. <laughs> Me so, as well. Yes. Clearly, you are. You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> but it's you sell a sandwich, and you sell enough of them, and you and Melissa add on to the house, mm-hmm. right? Right. There should so, be no no apology for that. No, there's not, and, and that, that that's one of the reasons that I love business now, and I didn't love it so much before, and I think a lot of people don't love business. Because they think it's ugly. Mm-hmm. I think business is lovely. I was going to say, there's a beauty to it, genuinely. I think it's it's wonderful being able to find a problem in society or something that people would value if it was here, mm-hmm. right? Had a, had a mentor tell me one time, the best, the best transaction is for your money to be in my pocket and for us both to be happy. Right. Yeah, and that's good. Right, Serv- goods and services, mm-hmm. trade for that, and let's keep doing that over and over again mm-hmm. as and, and do life together. Yes. And, you know, that do life together is like a church thing. I hate that. Sounds a little churchy, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing life, and we just love you. We just want to love on you. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> like, you're, no one's going to come in the bank and Mark's this compassionate guy, and he's going, well, come on in, sit down. We just want to love on we're gonna you. We're going to do life together. We're going to do life together. We're going to do loans together. <laughs> Mamelia Panacek, have a great day. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So let me ask you some other questions. All right. Um, and we'll wrap it up pretty quick. Uh, we've been at it almost an hour. Um, have you read, or have you, are you familiar with Robert, uh, uh, I think I'm saying this right, Cialdini, Cialdini's uh, Principles of Influence? I am not. He talks about reciprocation, commitment and consistency, social proof, liking, authority, scarcity. He actually has seven, but the seventh one came later. And I don't remember what it is. 
But when you were selling money, which is essentially what you were doing, you were mm-hmm. selling money, where people were paying you money for money. Mm-hmm. That's what lending is, and it goes back thousands of years. Um, what did you... I guess they, I, I'm answering my own question. It's the people. Everything comes down to people for you, doesn't for it? For me personally, yeah, it does. Yeah, even then. Yeah, it really has. And then, again, that sounds sounds very trite sometimes, but too simple. But it, I mean, it genuinely is what I care about. Yeah. What What is your feeling on, like, a corporation? I know legally a corporation is a person. Mm-hmm. But... You know, people hate corporations. Right. But corporations are made up of what? People. People. Yes. I'm not trying to lead you on it. I no. mean, maybe I am. <laughs> oh, so making sure I'm giving the right answer. Okay. Oh, you're like, people. That was a question mark at the end of that. Yes. But do you think that, um, I guess let's talk about today, and, and, and I don't want to be political necessarily unless it goes there, but, you know, corporations are buying up homes in our county here and all over the nation. Corporations are do great things and do terrible things. Mm-hmm. But it's people that do great things and terrible things. So um, I, I want to ask an intelligent question out of this that's pertinent to you, but I think I'm going down the wrong rabbit hole, so I might back up. <laughs> okay. But you're involved. So your bank with... Were you with the same company? You weren't with the same company because when I met you, you were with another large national bank. Correct. And did you find it difficult to love people within that environment? That's and that's a. Uh, I think that's where I was going. Good, good, excellent question. And I mean, things. like, love, did you find it? I mean, internal clients, external clients. Mm-hmm. Did you find it challenging to be you? Because ultimately, at early, you said you did adopt a persona, and that's really mm-hmm. a smart thing to do because you don't know all the rules. So mm-hmm. you put on, you put on a mask, and you're like, you do what, what, do it, what I sense. hope everybody wants me to do, right? But eventually, you became you, mm-hmm. and I know you today as someone who's unapologetically you. Mm-hmm. So, did you find it hard to to really be that? that real genuine human being. In That's the, a, a great question. And then it is, it is um, within that entity, corporate entity, there are a lot of tough decisions and hard things that have to take place in order to be able to make that entity survive. And there are decisions and things that have to be done that are way outside of my comfort level and way outside of my personality. Things that I wound up having to do. Like Term, terminate What's, people, call loans, uh, foreclose on somebody. Um, go and shut down a business, walk in and, and put a closed sign on a business and tell them that I'm getting ready to, to sell all their tables and chairs. And, and, and Did you ever look at that like, it's easy to look at that and say, well, I mean, we, we had an agreement. Like, I held my end of the, the agreement and right. you didn't. Right. Because it's, it's okay to feel that way. And there's a piece of paper that stand up on, you know, hey, you signed this contract. You right. agreed to make these payments. You did not. And yeah, it's easy to stand on that, but that's but not still com- hard. It's hard. It's not comfortable. Oh, it that's stinks. Not- yeah, yeah. It's, it's horrible. You know, to know that you know that you're taking away this guy's livelihood, and you're hurting all of his employees, and you're hurting his family, and his wife may divorce him, and all of that stuff. Yeah. All of those pieces that went into it. It's, it's very difficult. But that's, I guess, that's both in and out. That's internal and external. So that's that's client relationship, right? So, 
that would be hard. I never had to deal with any of that stuff when I was lending in, in, in the residential sector. Somebody else did that? Yeah. Yeah. I was just the, you know, the, the spokes model for the money. Mm-hmm. I'm like, here, use our money. Our <laughs> money's greener. Our money's fresher. And that was my job is to get people to borrow from me, not right. the competitor, right? Right. The, the, the team, the, the really, like, the bad people, you know, they did the, the hard work. But there's an art to sell to sales, isn't there? Mm-hmm. There's a real art. And there, statistics suggest that sales is the most profitable role since the dawn of time. I believe that. If you want to make real money, sell something. Be involved in the sales part. Yeah. What about working with, like, the, the board and, like, people above the board, you know? I mean, you had a local board, mm-hmm. but your local board was under a regional mm-hmm. and then a national. Like, did you ever? Do you have any struggles with that? Yeah, at times. And again, making bigger decisions that, um, and being involved in some of those decisions that came down, and we were the ones expected to execute those decisions. Yeah. Closing a branch location or shutting down a uh, whatever it might be, shutting down a service, or knowing that customers took care of services and those things, knowing that it was the right business decision, it wasn't profitable for the bank in order to keep something like that or that place open. Yeah, but still, and that's hard. Yeah, that had to be hard. Knowing that that then is that decision is going to influence a lot of other people, customers, employees, friends. Yeah, that's hard. <clears throat> so tell me about the cafe. Like, what what are what's your greatest joy in the cafe? Greatest joy, and this will sound ridiculous. I love Fridays when we get to cut payroll. When we get to cut payroll. And knowing that I just gave... He's not meaning cut it like like, <laughs> like not pay people. Like, I'm no. cutting it today. Nope. Payroll's cut off. Nope. Quite the opposite. <clears throat> when the money gets out of the account, and I know that I paid 23 people their salary. And yeah. I love it. To, to the business owners listening, I'm interested. Like, if, the, if you see this on a Facebook post, put down what you feel about that. Because, man, I'll tell you, when I opened OsteoStrong and I had an employee... And I cut payroll. I'm like, man, <laughs> that's the neatest thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It is a joy. It is a real joy. It is. The knowing that those dollars are where we are really, really helping 23 families. And I love it. So you and, and, your, and your lovely bride had a vision. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about vision, St. Charles. I'm talking right. about the vision for this business. When you cast that vision... And you're driving around dreaming. Because I know you did this for mm-hmm. several years. Seven or eight years, yeah. Yeah, you're driving around looking for retail space, and you're like, honey, what about this? And wouldn't it be neat to have a table there? And Like when you're dreaming that up, and then now other people have signed on to your dream. Right. How's that feel? Amazing. Yeah, for other people to, to see it and to realize it and to be a part of it. It's uh, it's incredible because it doesn't look uh, a lot like those those <clears throat> sitting in parking lots trying to figure out where the drive through is going to go or where any of those kind of things. It doesn't look anything like any of those dreams. But now being a part of that and being a part of the community and being influential in the Frenchtown neighborhood and seeing a lot of those things take place is incredible. It's a fascinating thing when you have an idea, a vision, and you're a, you're essentially a troubadour. 
It's like, dun 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 come with me. We're going to do this. We're going to conquer coffee. We're going to conquer crepes. You know what I mean? And, and I don't mean that lightly. I mean no. that sincerely. Because mm-hmm. um, I can hardly, I, like, my wife has to make my coffee. And I can't even say crepe, much less spell it. But I trust that if I go to your cafe, I will have something lovely. Yes. But the vision, the idea that, man, we want to do this. It's our dream. And then, how did it feel when you hired your first person? That, that was um, both both petrifying, but also exhilarating. Um, to, to did you hire some... and fire at the bank? Uh, yes, yes. So you have experience hiring. Yes, you can read people. You can mm-hmm. read their personality. You you can quickly make a decision if they're going to be effective in your in your vision or not. So, but but I was hiring people into an industry in an area that I knew zero about. I was hiring cooks and baristas. I've never been a chef. I, I was a busboy at a, at a restaurant when I was in, uh, in high school. But Can you make that, a good egg sandwich? I can now. Yeah, okay. I can now. <laughs> but, man, I would have a, didn't have a clue. I mean, I, did, you know, I didn't know the difference between a flat top and a griddle and a, and a this or that or a, and what, 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 what the, 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 the health regulations were, the codes were, and all that kind of stuff. Some and, of the most fascinating people that I know, they just figure it out along the way. Yeah. Isn't that the, the, the wonderful thing about, uh, maybe it's age or something. You know, you get older and you realize, I'm not going to die if I lose this money, right? right? I'm going to invest X. And if it fails, that's okay. Well, right? that was, and that was kind of the, the impetus behind, the, hey, we've got this dream and I'm going through this cancer thing. Like why not? Why the heck not? Well, let's give it a What's shot. What's the matter if it fails? I yeah. might be gone. It might be gone, or I'd much rather say, "A man, man, that was a, we, we gave it our best shot." Rather than I wish I woulda. You know, let's let's give it a whirl. Let's figure it out. That's a scary thing at our age. You're just a couple years older than me, but mm-hmm. we're really the same demographic. That's a scary thing. You know, how do how was it you for you turning fifty? Forget the cancer, the age. Yeah. How was turning fifty for you? Fifty was way harder than sixty. Um, Fifty was difficult because it felt like you know everything. There was a lot more behind me than was in front of me. It felt like really. It felt that way, and at least initially. And again, I'm just talking years. You know, I'm way. I'm definitely more than halfway done with my life. And my father passed away at fifty-eight. And so I kind of thought, well, man, maybe I've only got seven or eight or ten years left. Right? Don't so really fifty-eight know. for you was like you probably went out to dinner that night. I literally calculated the exact number of days that my dad lived, and then figured out when that day was for me. When you went to bed that night, <laughs> Oop, this might be it. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I've lived a good life. Well, and, and what a bizarre feeling, though, to that point of. Of knowing that for my dad that was the that would have been the end, and again way different than kind of where you're at in the timeline. Right. Just that was a very bizarre feeling. Very bizarre. I can't even imagine. So my dad, my dad passed away in 2015, and it was a long process mm-hmm. for him. Sadly, um, but he was you know still. He's born in 43, so do the math. As a math major, you'd think I'd figure this out. 2015. It's a long time. Yes. He lived. He, lived, he was old. <laughs> and my mom's older. And now she's even older. Yes. And now she's even older. But, man, that was scary, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But, Six, 60 was, hard, was 
a joyful for me though. 50 was difficult, 60 was joyful. And it, it was very different, again, because of what had happened between 50 and 60 for me, going through all the cancer stuff, that, man, I'm just was it as, to be here. Was it as simple as, wow, I've, I've lived through the potential of death, so yep. now everything's more simple for me. And it's a celebration, man. I'm ready, I'm did ready life to celebrate gets, Did life become simple? Like, not easy, but I mean, much more simple. More simple, yeah. You pared down some of the mm-hmm. stuff and like, yep. the, the little... Finding the sock on the floor no longer brought rage, right? No. And, 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 that it ever did, but you, you'd get the point. Right? And learned to say no a few more times and yes to the things that meant more. Yeah. That's a huge lesson. That's, I bet you, I'm just going to bet you, I'm going to bet you a crepe. Okay. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> that every podcast that I do on people who influence people, is going to involve learning how to say no. Oh, man, it's not easy. That's not easy. And it, it's because you don't want to disappoint somebody. You don't want to. And again, that's part of my nature. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to hurt someone. But you, there are genuinely times when it makes much more sense to say no so that you can say yes to the right things. Do you, have a, do you, do, like, uh, do, you do a vision board? Like, do you look at... Like, I'm designing my life, I'm writing it out on a piece of paper. Not, or... not creatively, like, again, an art project, but it is something that I that I journal out and keep typed up and something that I, I periodically go back to. Do you think that you can decide what, your life, uh, what you want your life to be, or do you think that, like... Maybe short paths, but I don't think long paths. I think, you know, within the relatively short period of time, I think you can target something and head toward it and make something happen, but... Bigger goals or bigger long-term experiences? I don't think so. Yeah. So your daughter is how old now? I have a thirty-four-year-old daughter. No, that's wrong. I'm I'm not a math major, but I should be one, right? Um, Thirty mid thirties. Yeah, mid thirties, and then one in her. And was younger. Mid thirties, and then late twenties. So I got two uh, older daughter, and they're nine and a half years apart. Did you teach them like? Did you teach them these principles that you know now? Like you probably didn't know them then. And um, like probably influentially, but not directly. I didn't sit down and say, "Here are some things I'd like you to know." Um, and yeah. but both of them, I think, and even after having them both listen to the last podcast that I did, they both learned things that they didn't know about me, and that's a little <laughs> strange. <That's, clears throat> yeah, scary. But uh, my oldest son's eighteen, and you know, our relationship, and I knew this was coming, but it's changing. Mm-hmm. And he's certainly not a peer, but he, and he still lives at home. So it's still, you know, dad, can I do this? Mm-hmm. But he asked me something the other, like, I think it was, hey, can I go to Dairy Queen with my friend Caleb? And I'm like, Pat, you don't have to ask me that anymore. You know? Yeah. You're, you're good. I trust, <laughs> like, I trust you on this path. <laughs> I'm good with relinquishing that level of parenthood with with kid one. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's cool. So with the cafe, it's going well. You've got a a staff. You're you're dreaming up new stuff. We we had a conversation here when you came in. Some of our members were customers of the cafe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they had mentioned that they had spoken with you. They they uh, they enjoyed the conversation. They loved the cafe, and they said, "Well, um, 
well, this church and they're coming over and then this group's coming over. So you guys are doing well. Doing okay. Yeah, we're holding our own right now and doing well. I'm is this your second or your third year? Uh, we are 19 months in, so we're in the middle of our second year. Second year. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, it's been crazy, but but a lot of fun. What I've was... never worked harder in my life, that's for sure. Yeah. But man, it's very, very Are you very... still putting in like a million hours? Not near as much now. It doesn't feel like it. Maybe I'm just getting used to it, but uh, it feels like we're kind of crossing over that hump into being able to delegate more and have other people assume some of those responsibilities. We've got a tremendous staff. We really do got a great kitchen staff and a great front of our house staff. And so it's, uh, they're picking up and, and carrying that ball a lot for us. Do you desire to be out of the business at some point? Are you like full owner, not operator, or do you think you're going to stay in it? I, I think I'd like to, I'd like to be able to cut loose a little bit more than what we do now, but I don't want, I don't want to step fully away from it. I'd like to be able to come in and, and be a part of what's running on a daily basis, but not uh, not necessarily feel like I got to be there from open to close. Yeah, yeah. That I think that's important because, you know, you you have to have other things. You know, becoming a pilot later in life mm-hmm. was a big thing. I never wanted to fly, but I learned how to, and it was a challenge, and it satisfied all my nerdy sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I feel like becoming a pilot made me a better businessman, mm-hmm. but they're absolutely unrelated. What's something that you want to do, like short term? Um, get get the staffing at the cafe to where outside of the business. Outside of that. Outside of the business. I'm Giving talking about you. Totally talking, personal. Because I I know I I understand that you want to you want your like where your heart is with your staff mm-hmm. and and I know you to be someone who's meticulous in training and, and you also empower people too. You're mm-hmm. giving people power to make decisions. Right. Gotcha. I know that about you. But some, something that you want to do, like oh, man. I would love to be a much better fisherman, and that is, um, and that may be somewhat selfish down the road. But the, the, the being able to retire enough to be calm enough to go and do fishing and to, to spend time on a boat and hang out with guys and and do some of those kind of things. Um, Melissa and I own a little lake cabin down at the Ozarks, and to be able to hang out there and relax a little bit more is yeah. something that I really don't feel like we've done at all in the last two or three years trying to get to that point yeah i've seen like i follow you on facebook and i see you post some pictures and i and i know that's something that you love oh it's amazingly calm and peaceful and beautiful and very very um uh, tranquil about being there and it's greatly relaxing for the both of us to be there and it's a place sometimes when i'll go and hang out and go and go and hang out for a weekend or whatever but something that melissa and i uh, need to do and, and should enjoy be doing more yeah yeah, what do you what do you love about fishing? Is it the time? Is it the drowning worms? Or is it the catching the fish? It's it's the the fishing is always great. Catching might stink, but fishing's always great. And yeah. the process and the patience of of just spending time and thinking, praying, being in in God's creation, yeah. and enjoying that peaceful time. I just I love it so much. Yeah, um, and even you know the heavens declare right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you feel like, and I know you're not going to like this question. All right. Let me take a drink of water. Go ahead. <laughs> Should probably put some vodka in there for mm-hmm. you. I know you're not really a drinker. Not much. Um, <clears throat> do you feel like you, when do you feel like, when do you feel like you reached a, a level of like real spiritual maturity? 
oh my gosh um i was that younger do you feel like you really got it like i'm in i'm all in on god and he gets me and i get him and i love him and i'm a boy but boom 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 we're firing together or it has been a, a, a crazy roller coaster for me personally that I am so close and then I feel so far away and then feel like I've made it. Man, I feel like I'm in tune. I feel like things are really rocking and then uh, feel like I'm, I don't have a clue. Yeah. Um, what do you find is the different? What, what do you think the reason is that you go in and out of that? Like, why does that happen? I, th- I think some of it is um, just life experiences, or the different things that you go through, or family experiences, or those valleys, and then you, you begin to question. And I don't think it's bad to question God in ways, but being able to, to step back as long as, again, you're not obstinate with that, but but still seeking and genuinely understanding and stepping toward that. But those those life experiences, I think, throw you a curveball at times, and it does challenge your faith and, and, and makes you grow but also then I think sometimes makes you step back. Stepping back as long as it's done in the right way and not stepping away is different. And that's and that that I think is is where some of that maturity comes from. What do you mean stepping back? I mean I, I don't know if I understand it. It's okay to step back and to reexamine or to to um, to review kind of where God is or or how he continues to influence your life. But it's easy sometimes when something bad might happen. And you talked about the challenges happen. You get a bad diagnosis hurt by a family member whatever did you be. shake your fist at god you were like why me did uh, you have that or no you no, didn't really no, no i really didn't and i the had a really really good friend of mine say to me he said um god must think you can handle this because that's why he handed it to you that's a powerful friend and in doing so he is genuinely excited to see how you are going to glorify him through this and so that was my mission in doing that, that I am going to, if I lose all my hair and I wither away and I die, I am going to glorify him in every step of this. And so I hope to be able to do that in some way through the other challenges that I have in my life. Sometimes I know I've not done that and I've stunk at it, but in some way I hope that he knows I can handle it and therefore he's going to hand it to me and I'm going to figure out a way to be able to get through that with his help and be able to glorify him through it. Yeah, I bet your prayer life was on point. It had to be there. And again, that's where something that now life seems to be going pretty good, right? And I, I can yeah, handle I it myself. And, yeah, I don't need to pray today. Yeah. I'll be good. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'll catch up. Bye. I was thinking while you were saying earlier, you are saying it kind of comes and goes. I'm a pastor. I'm Reverend Mike. I got the card, literally. <laughs> I did the school and I they dubbed me. Yeah. And I feel like me and Jesus are just on the floor wrestling sometimes. <laughs> yes. And like I, sometimes I feel like he sucker punches me, but I know it's not his nature to sucker punch right, me, right? Right? Right. But and then other times I'm like, "You, come on, you know. We're wrestling, right?" Yes. But there's an old adage, you know, wrestle with God. Mhm. So, I think that's why I adopt that. But I find that when I when I'm feeling lost, it's because I just haven't prayed. I haven't prayed, or I've tried to I've tried to take control of something, without leaning on him to help me with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's genuinely a male nature. In in some cases, I'm going to fix it. And I can take care of it. And right. I don't need somebody's help. Yeah, but there's also a point where God says, "You know what I've taught you? Mm-hmm. Go, hey knucklehead." Come on. Like, you know. Yeah. Like, what are you asking me for? We've been through this before, right? So have you ever prayed something like, God, please help me do this Mm -hmm. and this and this and this? 
and you know you know you don't hear from him like i've literally had a revelation where something needed to happen and i'm praying and i'm like yeah man god's just not speaking you know <laughs> and then told you dummy <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and somebody said well, that's in Scripture right there. Why would God have to tell you something he already wrote down? That's right. It's kind like, of he wrote it there. Like <laughs> the instruction <laughs> manual, Pastor Mike. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can tell you, anybody who cares, that pastors, you know, we, we really love God and we really love people. But <laughs> we're people, man. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, there's a point where, you know, you have the power to go do stuff, and you're someone now. Like especially, I said, I suspect that going through cancer, does that make you feel more powerful? At times, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, even going through COVID, then I'm like, man, I give me COVID too. I can put two notches on my gun belt. I'll right. get through this, right? Yeah, a pandemic and cancer. I'll like, do you feel like more? Ooh, we got to get that. We gotta wrap this up. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if people are still gonna listen this long into it. But do you feel like from what you've been through, like you're Say faith or no faith, whatever. Just say your life, what you've been through. Do you feel like that you can do anything you want to do? I would oh, that's a tough one. I would say no, I don't believe that. There's still times that I have self-doubt personally, yeah. but spiritually, it does put you in a different place to be able to go through some of those things. Do you want to open more businesses? Yes. Do you want to franchise LeBevy? I don't know about franchising it. Maybe another another location. Just corporate own your your, yeah. your LLC doing more. Yeah, do another. Maybe just a coffee shop. Maybe just a drive through. Maybe just something like that. But something along. Do you want lines. to step out in other arenas outside of the food service? Maybe. I mean, I dabbled in a couple other things. I had Mister Listed for a while. And yeah, a that, that was areas. cool. That was a neat idea. Good idea. And again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking before. Let's find a service that people will pay you for, and it serves a need. And creating something along those lines, well, that's what that was. Yeah. But and being able to do that, so yeah, I'd like to do something like that. I'd also like to um, get this to where it's it's successful enough financially that it does allow us to calm down a little bit. But beyond that, I'd still love to do more things. Okay, a couple last questions. We'll wrap it up. All right. What's a question that you wish I would have asked you? Um, where's the best pizza in St. Charles? No, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll ask you. <laughs> Because, you know, St. Louis is an emo's town. I know. I know, I know. But my good friend Tammy Hilton owns Mellow Mushroom. Which is delicious, and I love that's Mellow delicious. Mushroom. That, that's a very special thing they do. Yes. But let me ask you, where's the best pizza in St. Charles? For me, personally, and I know it's 99% nostalgia, it's P.O.'s. Old P.O.'s has amazing pizza. It's good, man. And I, Melissa doesn't really like it that much, but it is. It's, My wife hates Emos. It's like growing up pizza and with on the grandpa's front porch. When you walk into P.O.'s and around the country, um, you don't know this place, but it's St. Charles is on the Mississippi River. No, Missouri, Missouri River. I'm sorry, no, Missouri River. And it was the first state capital. Yes. Matter of fact, the main street's called First Capital. But right there, there's this. As you're going down the hill towards the river, there's this restaurant that's been there for a gajillion years. Yes, and it's it's a, a brownstone, you know, two story. You walk in, it's tight, and you go up the steps and the dining, and then there's dining downstairs. But you, I walk in this place, and I I suspect there are places like this in in every town. Like you walk in, and I feel like I'm walking into history. Mm-hmm. 
Like I can't imagine the hundreds of thousands of people that have eaten there. And it's really, a, it's like almost a regal experience for me. Like I feel probably more important than I actually am. Yeah. When I walk, do you know what I mean? Well, completely. I again the same way. It's my my parents dated there, you know, and so I kind of feel like oh, they maybe sat in that booth or they had a pizza burger at this corner or whatever. And it's yeah, it's it's it, it, there's somewhat a royal piece about it. It's part of St. Charles nostalgia and man, and, and, and bred into me. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite menu item at your cafe at La Belle Vue? Mine is the French dip. Um, French Man, dip French sandwich. dip is such a simple thing, but it's hard to make it delicious. It is. Uh, we have a, a old family recipe that came from Melissa's brother, and something that we've replicated and built on and grown and expanded. Now, instead of just making a little pot of it on the stove, we make you know twenty, thirty pounds of it at a time. I've had the French dip. It's on point. It's good. That's good. It's good. Yeah, that's one. That's one. That's my favorite one. Okay, last question. Okay, you want to go flying with me? I would love to. Let's do it. I'd love to. That would be. I'm so totally uh, jealous of all the pictures of everybody else who's gotten to go. I'm sorry, I, I haven't asked to. you. I, no. I just, you know, I don't know. Let's my go fly. Fe- my feelings are hurt. But okay. Well, Mark, thanks for being with me on this this podcast, um, the Mike Bowie Show. Mark's my second official guest, and Mark Hollander, owner of La Belle V, with his uh, beautiful wife Melissa, and then of course. Um, executive director executive director yes. of Vision St. Charles Leadership Program you serve on lots of boards yes sir you're a community guy you're uh, you're definitely an influence in the community and one of the reasons I wanted you on is because I this is a true story ever since I've known you probably six years five six years now every time I've mentioned your name and if they know you, like some people don't know you, clearly. There's how many hundred thousand, hundred thousand people in this community. Right. But everybody who knows you, who I've mentioned your name, they, the next word, uh, words out of their mouth is something like, oh, I love him. <laughs> or he's great. Man, what a sweet man. Or, man, he did a great thing for me. And, or, or he really helped me out. So I had to have you on because influence is, is so many things. It's influence can be raising children, right? Mm-hmm. In, and you've done that. Influence is being a community partner. Influence is caring about your homeowners association. Or in, influence can be so many things. But what what is your greatest I think achievement with influence. I know you don't like to talk about you, but but um, what are you proud of about how, that, that you've accomplished in the community, or in your family, or in life, or in like what do you what do, tell me something you're proud of? Yeah, genuinely proud of my family. I have uh, an incredible wife, Melissa, who we have a, a great relationship. And you do. She is a doll. She is amazing. I way outkicked my coverage. And you, yes, uh, all the cliches. You married yes, up. You, yes, all that all stuff. That. And I, I can attest to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's and, lovely. And beyond that, two incredible, amazing, and loving, caring daughters. Um, 
uh, being a part of of their life. And like you said before, you know, you're watching your son grow and change that relationship. I have a tremendous relationship with both of my girls. They text message me in the middle of basketball, hockey games, football games, whatever it is, and and we love one another and tease one another and have a tremendous relationship together. And yeah. having that and knowing that you've been an influence on their lives and continue to build that and grow that relationship is is. Uh, my greatest my greatest accomplishment my greatest satisfaction and knowing that i have yeah. the those three amazing women together and being a part of my life along with my mother but yeah the that's four. a lot of women yes lots of <laughs> lots of lots of estrogen influence there yes yeah there is okay last question i promise all right what do you see happening in the next two years three years in frenchtown um, continued growth and development. I'm very excited to be in at the uh, the beginning of what I hope to be a real explosion in that neighborhood. Can you help me buy a building? I'd love to be able to help you. If, if someone would, <laughs> would not, sell sell, <laughs> not sell the building on their back step at night and in secret, yeah, that would be awesome. But right. you never see for sale signs in front of This doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode.